Hello, and welcome to Beatdown, a musical battle royale. I'm your host, 80% man and 20% Guinness, Josh Brunel, and joining me on the panel this week, she's a bottle of red, a bottle of white, whatever kind of mood you're in tonight. She's Jennifer Lane, everybody. Good evening, Jennifer. Uh, uh, Hi. (laughs) Thank you, I think. He's got his mind on his money and his money on his mind. He's Edward Giordano, everybody. Good evening, Ed. Uh, I suppose that's accurate. (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least, she's an activist. She reads an average of 120 books a year. And apropos to this conversation, we met her in a bar. She's Vanessa Axelson, everybody. Good evening, Vanessa. Hello. You can call me Noodle. Everybody else does. All right. I was was gonna. That was actually the first Uh, bullet point was what you want to be called. Feel free. Thanks for having me on the show. I'd like to mention that my husband got called in before I did, but that's fine. It's all right. He won. It was just a scheduling thing. He always wins. It was a topic thing. Uh, So, Vanessa, we met you in a bar. You were the bartender at our local. Uh, I'm going to use a hip term there. And uh, That's how I would have described you, as hip. (laughs) So, and our topic tonight is songs about drinking in honor of uh, St. Patrick's Day. And so, I was thinking, uh, as someone who spent a lot of time in bars, which song do you never need to hear again? You know, it's funny. There's there's a couple of schools of thought. Some people, it's immediately Piano Man. Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I hate it. But for me, like, I get real emotional about Piano Man. I'm from the East Coast. Like, I really, I feel like people are there to see me, not just listen to the music. So I understand what he's talking about. Um, Probably Friends in Low Places. Oh, wow. Which makes me sad, but... Yeah, Which was probably... almost my pick for the show. Oh, tonight. awkward. That would have been, been funny. Like, bummer. Uh, I would say that I have heard Friends in Low Places in the five years that I worked in that bar on average four times a shift <laughs> and three to four shifts a week. So that adds up. And the first year, I was like, great. And the second yeah. year, I was like, ah. And the third year, I started turning the jukebox off. There you go. <laughs> Doesn't work. Sorry, guys. I mean, yeah. I was a I was a DJ on a cruise ship for six months. Uh, uh, yeah. And I remember, like, I never need to hear Love Shack again. Mm. Like, in my life. That's a good one. If that song just disappeared. Uh, you know, I wasn't a particularly big fan before, but I certainly never. I actually broke the CD at one point. Nice. It was too much. Too much love shack for one lifetime. I I would say (laughs) one of the great things about that bar is the internet jukebox. So we did get a lot more variety than Mm. just we have 40 songs and those are the only 40 Mm -hmm. songs you're allowed to pick. Right. And and I will say they were pretty lenient with me in that every now and then I I just did it myself and I put my own money in the jukebox and it, it made for a better shift for me. Mm-hmm. And the other great thing about the jukebox at Maves is that you can get an app on your phone and so you can just log money on the app and be sitting down and be like, oh, and I hear this song. Yeah. I will do that mm-hmm. a lot. Yep. Uh, Ed, I, this is a deep philosophical drinking question for you. Jukebox or no jukebox? I mean, have I ever jukebox? Yes, but <laughs> do I prefer jukeboxing? No. I mean, if you're in a bar, would you prefer to have a jukebox that you can control or a DJ that is just going to play whatever the heck they want? Well, I guess I'll take the jukebox. Power to the people. (laughs) Because you never know with a DJ. If they're having a bad night and they're just phoning it in, (laughs) you might hear the same terrible remixes over and over and over again. DJs are musical autocrats. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I would say the same thing, though, about a bar with uh, a jukebox because um you know like we've been going to the snug lately and every friday night it's a whole different crowd it's mm-hmm. like a, 
it's almost like a different city. Yeah. I do love that bar. It is so Great much bar. fun. Yeah, we went to Residuals one night. I mean, uh, in the many years. Uh, you might hear us go back and forth. It used to be called Naves. Now it's called Residuals. Um, it, uh, uh, we, we've gone there for so long. We went there on like a Friday once, and there was like eight old Italian guys, and they just played Frank Sinatra for oh, two hours. Oh, it's so funny. And then another time we went in, and it's a bunch of like white idiots with backwards caps just playing Tupac for two hours. And it was like, that's the one catch on the jukeboxes. You like might never are... know what you're going to get. Those are both good nights. <laughs> they were both very entertaining. Different, but both good nights. <laughs> Whereas, and then the other side of the jukebox is over at Timmy Nolan's. Uh, spoiler alert, guys. This is songs about drinking, and we go to a lot of bars. Okay. <laughs> so the other we thing, were just doing research. <laughs> the other thing is Timmy Nolan's, they have a jukebox, but it's highly regulated. So Ooh. we were talking to Shane there one night, and apparently the owner selects like 250 songs, and those are the only ones you're allowed to play in mm -hmm. the bar. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy. But, but that owner, that's a hands-on owner. That's yeah. an owner who has mm -hmm. a very serious idea of the kind of bar they want to be. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, they're committed yeah. to it. It's not going to have an identity crisis right. like so many of the places mm -hmm. that we know in the Valley because there's just so many right. people kind of, you know, coming in, coming out. It's whiskey in the jar over and over again with oh everybody God. covering but it. I'm kind of, it's, I'm still amazed that people still play Friends in Low Places. Like, do you think you're original when you're playing that in a bar? Drunk. I think the word you're oh, looking for is drunk. drunk. <laughs> okay. Now, Ed, when you go to a bar, like up in San Francisco, is there a bar that you go to that has like the music you want to hear? Hmm. I, there's like this one really cool bar that I go to, Interval, and they just play like like low key EDM all the time, and it's like a steampunk bar. So that's like one of my faves. <laughs> that's low what... key EDM. I I, 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 I might have to um, Google. That. I kind of want a road trip just for that. What would you describe as low key EDM? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like imagine if. The Chainsmokers didn't have vocals on it. That's kind of about right. Okay. I'm See, embarrass I, myself and say I haven't heard a single Chainsmokers song. Yes, oh, you, you were I closer. envy you. you. Could have wanted uh, to avoided it. My friend's yeah, eleven-year-old is obsessed with them, which is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, as like a name. A, a friend it, of mine is their like manager-ish. Yeah, and I'm always like, really, guy. Yeah, but like I had, I had all of the Cherry Pop and Daddy's records and nobody ever bothered to say like, hey, maybe no. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the same. No? Mm -hmm. Okay, because the Lovin' Spoonful was a real big band at one point and nobody had a problem what they were named Touché. after. <laughs> Wait, what? Exactly. So, uh... <laughs> Jen, you're such a nice person. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> okay. Just go roll right through. Google this right Go ahead and Google that and we'll get that reaction here. And a, a minute bit. and a half later, Jed goes, what? <laughs> but like, Ed, what kind of music don't you want to hear? If you go drinking, like, what will send you running out of the bar? Not much. I'm thinking about <laughs> it. I'm like, nothing really. Like, like, if I walk into a bar and it's like a bit a bit rappier than I would like, I'm like, whatever. If I go into a bar, it's a bit uh, Broadway-er than I would like, I'm like, whatever. See, I that mean, sounds super fun, actually. <laughs> Could you combine them? Oh, wait, it's Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> Hamilton, then I'm, then, I'm, then I'm moving in. But, um, uh, it's, it's like, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm beginning to think that I don't go to enough bars because I'm like, uh, I'm like missing, I'm like, I go to Monk's Kettle, but does it even have music? All I ever remember is like ambiance of people talking, there being no room in the bar, and the and the bouncer telling you that you can't get in because it's too full. Like, <laughs> and then like I guess I went to uh, like to visit uh, on Divis. I went to Toronado, and the, like 
there might be music playing there, but it's just like, I don't, I don't know, nothing, nothing. I don't. There's not enough of anything for me to be a to be afraid. It's all so subliminal, <laughs> and that's why I brought the the mention of interval because it's usually pretty quiet in there. So the the low key EDM is. It's, it's, it's like something I notice. <laughs> I get that. Like, there's a lot of times where you just don't want to hear anything at all, but you like you don't want it to be silent, so you end up just kind of like letting it become background noise. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose like the last thing I want to hear in a bar is Journey. Like, I just don't. I'm past it. Like, it's not going to make things two. good. Oh. Yes, <laughs> I, well, I still get excited because I don't hear it that often. It's not like you know, contrary to popular belief, we're not in a bar every night, so I don't hear it every <laughs> Other night. night. Uh, now, yeah, Jennifer, you months. also worked in a bar at one point in your I life. did. So what was the song of that summer that you was inescapable oh, that well, summer? And the thing is, so this would have been uh, summer of 90. And the area of Cape Cod that I was on, or, you know, the Cape, it, it wasn't it wasn't top 10 or top 40 or even top 100. It was all, you know, it was still Jimmy Buffett. It was still... It was journey. It was journey lights mostly, like <laughs> not not you know don't just stop lights, lights. <laughs> just lights over and over and over again. But we did have a guy who played um, guitar, you know, on Friday afternoons and Saturday afternoons by the pool, which was great. And but yeah, it was it was all like you know, Jimmy Buffett, Van Morrison, that type of thing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Buffett in a bar can be fun if it's if it's the right Jimmy Buffett. But it's uh, the same set every weekend. Exactly. It's Twice not a week. Cheesecake, uh, cheeseburger in paradise. paradise. Yeah, as long as it's well, not cheeseburger it's in paradise, Fins or yeah, Fins. Yeah, yep. to the left. Or Margaritaville, which no one needs oh. to know. I had Margaritaville on my list. I mean, it's because Margaritaville is a very serious song about drinking, and it's a it's a feeling we all recognize. That is true. I mean, a lot of that early, like Jimmy Buffett today, is just a really rich white guy who like owns an island. He's at Jurassic Park. <laughs> exactly. But Jimmy Buffett back in the day was like those early records are real sad, and oh. a lot of the early stuff, like changes in latitudes, changes in attitudes, like these are some early, so, yeah. some kind of like sad calypso so country songs before mm-hmm. there was really a before there was a style that he's you know, like i'm an alcoholic please help me exactly <laughs> i mean now all of his songs are just like all right i need to play something that's going to get a whole bunch of divorcees to dance and it works every time that's oh right. my god that's not that hard his, his aunt and uncle follow them around follow them around the country they Aww. do they're big fans they wear they have the shirts oh they like, get the matching shirts for every concert yeah i'm that's sure she adorable. i'm sure they have a closet just dedicated to their t-shirts we were uh where were we talking to them we were like uh uh we went out there for spring training yeah we were talking to them at spring training and we were like oh we're going to new york and he said oh you got to check out the margaritaville (laughs) yeah we're spending a week in new york city and we're gonna eat (laughs) that was our plan my dad's on vacation in florida right now and he just posted a bunch of margaritaville pictures so i think he's at a margaritaville (laughs) themed bar and my dad doesn't drink i was like what are you doing (laughs) are you just licking the salt it's the human experience that's what you gotta do i mean I guess like in Vegas, there are times that I've, you know, gone by and I'm like, well, maybe it would make sense here. Everything's kind of fake. But it just, 
Yeah, New York City, that's, I don't know. <laughs> it's the wrong culture. Yeah. Right there. Someday on this show, I'll bring like a really early, uh, uh, when we do songs about getting old, I can do a good uh, Jimmy Buffett song. Yeah, nobody, Please don't invite me to that one. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we're not going to get a single person to be on our show if you we'll do that. We'll never have a guest for that episode. Uh, well, we are here for a beat down where we choose a theme, and each of us brings a song that we think is the ultimate representation of that theme. We will present our picks, make our case, and then you, the listener, will vote on who you think brought it the best and reign supreme in the beatdown as we said this week our topic is songs about drinking in honor of saint patrick's day but uh, before we get to that we have to talk about last week uh, last week our topic was songs for your funeral or the song that you would like to usher you into the great beyond jennifer brought the beatles mega classic in my life ed got heavy with bastille's remains our guest vincent got funky with joe tex and i gotcha uh, <laughs> but it was me who took the pizza Check the prize and the banjo with uh, Kermit the Frog's Meditation on Dreams, Rainbow Connection. You know, sometimes just go cheesy, follow your heart, and you might uh, you might win something. Noodle, you got some thoughts. I'm looking at you. You can't wait to say something about this. I think you got the sympathy vote because you told people you'd actually died once. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> you know what? That trumps whatever I was going to say. I'm good. You're just going to roll oh, through. No, no. I'm, I'm going to let Jen own that Speak one. Speak your heart. Speak your heart. <clears throat> Uh, I think that's a terrible song, Josh. Oh come <laughs> um, on, it's so good. He did make a really good argument for it, though. I'm not. I'm not going <laughs> to sure. lie. No, he, I mean, he broke I, it down in I a way that was more than just childhood nostalgia. That. Yeah, Noodle, Noodle knows me. She knows I overthink just overthink about it. everything. But I will say, you know, I've I've never been a Kermit the Frog Muppets kind of person. Mm. Uh, <gasps> I I did admit that to Mike, and he thought real hard about divorcing me. Real hard. Wow. <laughs> uh, but you locked it down before you made oh. the admission, and oh, so you're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's too much down. paperwork at this point. I mean, it's not like you said you didn't like Star Wars. I got a Star Wars t-shirt yesterday. I'm real proud of it. <gasps> Ooh, I want to see that. Side note. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's a toughie. I mean, for me, it would have been a, a real classic. Um, of course, now I can't remember the name of the hymn that I'm thinking of. Pachelbel Canon Indy. <laughs> <laughs> the one that everybody uses either for... I was an altar girl. That's the classic. I was an altar girl in seventh and eighth grade. Now I'm saved. Ed, help us out here. Amazing Um, Grace. Amazing Grace. Thank you. That's that's the classic. (laughs) I would have. I could have gotten it. Maybe. Amazing Grace. (laughs) Well, I mean, okay, so and it it lingers with you. Yeah, I mean, sure, that's going to be played at everyone. But what's the you know what is the song that you want everybody to feel good about your passing? I don't want anybody to feel good about my passing. What kind of question is that? Or comforted. Or, or what's your final, like, what's your parting wish for people? Carry on, my wayward son. Oh, oh see, okay. there you go. little prog rock. little yeah. American prog rock wow. there from Kansas. And we I will like not it. be happy with your passing. Trust me. Like, none of this is, like... None of you were in charge of my funeral music, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because I got some thoughts. We're going to rent a jukebox and help. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. Friends in low places <laughs> over and over and over Everybody's going to get 20 bucks. So At least just three or four times a shift. <laughs> well, as long as you're drinking while you're doing it, it's okay. We're just going to play drunken lullabies on a loop. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> by flogging Molly. Um, wow. Ed, uh, before we get started, one last question. Bastille is playing down here in uh, May. You coming? I could. All right, let's talk about it. Well, our theme this week is songs about drinking. And since I went first, or uh, since I won last week, I have to go first. And so let's get right into it. You know, uh, I did some research and I found that one in three songs mention consuming alcohol. Which is kind of insane. Tortured artists, sure. <laughs> uh, the most common motivation. <laughs> the most common liquor brands that are mentioned in alcohol are uh, Quavassier, Patron, 
and Jack Daniels. Fun fact. I would have thought. Uh, uh, I would have thought. What's the champagne? Cristal. Cristal. Yeah. I would have thought that Cristal that would have I would been have... in the top four. That's what I was thinking, actually, yeah. as well. Or for loco. No, I'm joking. Not Jameson? I mean, I guess if it's Jameson, it's just whiskey. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just whiskey. Not a lot rhymes <laughs> with Jameson. I did find a, a song by Against Me that I didn't bring today, but I really want to, which was called Pints of Guinness Make Me Strong, <laughs> which is kind of my motto in life. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. We can uh, make that happen. We can yeah. make that happen. Jen, let's talk afterwards. Yes. We, well, got, we uh, got this. So in our songs about drinking, uh, you know, I was thinking... About a lot of songs where drinking is mentioned, but I, I was having a hard time thinking of a song that was about drinking that I really wanted to talk mm-hmm. about. There's a lot of like goofy country songs and then Friends in Low Places, which is, you know, I, I liked a lot when I was a child, but now I kind of is a little overplayed, let's when say. When you were a child? Yeah, I was a big Garth Brooks fan. I saw him in concert at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, Wait, when, when you say a child, like what age are you talking about? Uh, I mean, I would have been in like fifth grade. That fifth is a child. Grade. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was a, such a big music nerd even then. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of layers to drinking. And I think that's what I wanted. I wanted a song that talked about like the why you drink and like when you drink and kind of the aftermath of drinking. And, you know, I know myself. I don't want to make any claims on the rest of the group. But I know of myself. I've kind of, as my dad would say, dangled my toes over the side. <laughs> Maybe a time or two, maybe a little too far just to see what would happen uh, and uh, and always stepped back. But, uh, you know, I wanted to find a song that really reflected all of those assets, all, all of those aspects of uh, the experience of drinking. And I also just really wanted to talk about how much I love Chandelier by Sia. And so this is uh, this is that song. So uh, that song is, of course, Chandelier by Sia. Uh, she of the crazy blonde wig. Uh, she's an Australian singer-songwriter. She got her start as kind of like acid jazz. Uh, she used to sing in an acid jazz band. She was in Zero Seven, which is this British duo that is still kind of bummed that they're not Portishead. Um, she... And also don't have Sia in them anymore. <laughs> yeah, anymore. Uh, she yeah. did about like five kind of mid-tempo, slow, like indie pop records. That's what, where she did Breathe Me, I think, on her second record, which mm. I know is a song Jennifer really is that the one that has all like the, the rainbow dots on the cover? It's like kind of a Jackson Pollock looking cover. No, that's later. Yeah, yeah. and this is uh, "Breathe Me" is the song that plays over the last uh, the the final six minutes of Six Feet Under finale. Which, if you haven't seen Six Feet Under, oh my god, it's yeah, so you good. would love that best finale ever of any series I've ever seen. Go ahead, Josh. But I mean, I never really liked any like other than "Breathe Me," which I think mm-hmm. is kind of an anomaly. I didn't really like any of her early records. I just thought they were all kind of like mid tempo and bland. And and then she had one last one. I can't remember the last one before uh, she kind of got it got famous. Where um, I just thought it was like this sad attempt at indie pop. And so then she did "Titanium." that David Guetta song, which uh, she and Afrojack and David Guetta wrote uh, Titanium, which was actually a Dave Guetta uh, single. And it just kind of exploded. And I think at the time she'd been writing all these songs from other people and having big hits with like Rihanna. And she was like, I want some of that for me. And so she did the album Thousand Forms of Fear, which is all about her battles with drug addiction and bipolar disorder. And on top of that, are these like unbelievable backbeats. And she just did a full on electro pop techno jungle house album and it's so great and the first single of course was chandelier which is borderline overplayed i'll fully admit that but like this song it just the song can't quit that's what i think about it like it it is over so quickly i want it to go on even longer it reinvents itself like 
four times. It kind of starts small and then it kicks in, and uh, and it's cyclical. Like is constantly having starting small, getting really exciting and explosive, and then going back to being small again, and then coming back around. And I'm kind of like, it's just like those periods where you drink too much. Like it's those periods of your life where you're just kind of like starting small. You know that that it's broken up into these verses that I was reading through the verses, and it starts with this very sober verse. You know at the very beginning she's like i'm the one for a good time call flown's blown up you know she's kind of like getting excited then there's the drinking part one two three one two three drink and then there's that huge hook where she's swinging from the chandelier and it's just that unbelievable vocal performance and then that kind of like sliding down the back end of being drunk with the you know but i'm just holding on for dear life you know just got to get through tonight and then it just starts over again it just kind of comes back home and starts back again and it doesn't let up the beat doesn't stop and that vocal is unreal every time she hits the big i want to swing from the chandelier it surprises me that she can pull it off every time party girls don't get hurt can't feel anything when will i learn i push it down I push it down i'm the one for a good time call phone's blowing up bring on my doorbell i feel the love I say this on the show a lot like my favorite thing is when it sounds like the artist almost can't pull off what they're achieving like like when she does it live she still hits it and i'm still surprised every time she hits that note and so i just think that this music's unbelievable i, I love this song and uh, uh i just can't i it, it, i wish it was longer I, if i had any criticism about this song is that it the vocal pretty much starts like there's not a moment where she's not talking and so by the time it ends it's kind of exhausting but then at the same time it kind of reminds me of those periods of my life where i did drink too much and there's so much that the way you get into that cycle is that you don't stop and look at what's happening you're just constantly talking yourself into the next stage of the process so like you're like hey uh I, this is super fun i should go drink hey look i'm drinking now hey look how much fun we're having that we're drinking oh god i'm so depressed that i do too much drinking you know i really should do some drinking though because that was really fun like the second you stop to think about it is when you go ah oh, this is terrible and i need to change my life but as long as you don't think about it you can keep going and that's kind of as much as this song exhausts me, I also think it's part of what's amazing about it, what makes it so unique. So I love this song. That is what I'm bringing for this uh, Songs About Drinking Beatdown. Sia, Chandelier, Jennifer, Thoughts.
Yes, solid, solid pick. <laughs> I love this song. I I gotta say though, the first couple of times I heard it, I didn't quite catch all the lyrics because she has that kind of you know uh, dreamy, ethereal voice that. I just, yeah, I love, I love hearing her get to that point where it sounds like just before somebody else would break. But she, she's so good at that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great song. It's a fun song. It's, uh, you know, catchy in a good way. Really, yeah. really, really, really catchy in a good way. But um, yeah, I'm still thinking about your uh, interpretation and your your uh, reasoning for choosing it. But uh, as of now, I mean. I really can't say anything bad about the song itself. The song is fantastic. Yeah. Ed, thoughts on uh, Sea of Chandelier? Uh, Chandelier was a song that crossed my mind when I was, when we got that brief for this show. And um, I know that Josh once famously said that he would monogram every lyric on of the song on a pillow. So I was like, well, I probably can't take that. Part. When did oh I say gosh. that? Did I really say that? You told me that. You one. were oh my probably gosh. drinking at the time. I was probably drinking. It's very possible. Good shit. Good <laughs> I say a lot of good shit when I'm drunk. Um, wow. Awesome. But, but it's really epic. I think the chorus is huge. It goes through all the experiences. Um, I think what like Sia is really excellent at it's like it's because she has such good uh, vocal control and she can like distort her mouth in like weird ways and that will cause the cause the sounds to reverberate oddly off of them uh of her but but because she has such good vocal control it like it's still on pitch so it's like it's like <laughs> so she's like always like she's like uh, I can imagine her like putting your mouth to the side and to the right and to the down to the side. It's like it's like giving it's it's uh, giving some weird affected vocal constantly. Uh, it's it's a fantastic song, huge chorus. Um, I mean, I think many times you're like pandering in a way that they, to a mass audience that you want to win these beatdowns, <laughs> but this time. I'm entranced by your choice. I I emotion. I agree. I I mean, other than maybe picking you two, when did when is Josh pandered? I mean, you could make that argument about Kermit the Frog. Uh, (laughs) I thought you. I I I thought you were the wild card. Not. I didn't. I didn't think you had a chance. Oh, that's. Thank you. (laughs) No, I I thought Pastel was going to win. Sorry. (laughs) I mean, it's funny that you say that, Ed, because I think that's kind of the problem on Sia's new record is she realized, like, you know, she was being so successful writing songs for other people that if you listen to that record, it's like, oh, this is a song where Sia tries to sound like Rihanna. And this is the song where Sia tries to sound like Beyonce. Yeah, the the new record. Yeah, but the, the point of it was it was rejected songs from other artists. So well, it was like yeah, another... but I still like on this album. She always sounds like her. And what I really like about it is that yeah, this this was one where like throughout this record you really feel like it's the portrait of an artist as opposed to the next one where I feel like she's just trying to be other people. Um, your thoughts, Noodle? Uh, I have two thoughts on it. One is it's interesting that you talk about. Sia as an artist saying oh I want a piece of that and yet her public persona is hiding behind the wig because mm-hmm. she doesn't actually want a piece of that she wants the money of that without oh, the having funny. to be in front of people that's super Which, true I mean I, I don't I don't judge her for wanting to be private because who wants to be poked mm-hmm. and pictured and all this it's just an interesting dichotomy that she's transitioned from a, apparently a very successful writing career to singing behind a mask all the time mm-hmm. like in the same way that the gorillas do that which is weird i'm just gonna yeah. say it's weird to 
to be a famous person and nobody sees her face. But I mean, that's that's neither here nor there. Just, that's my first thought on what you said. The other side of it is, I absolutely love this song. I will belt the song out all day long. However, I hate that girl at the bar. You, that girl comes in and she looks really pretty in the first half an hour and then she starts to slur and then her makeup starts to drip and then she's making out with the ugly guy that she would never talk to sober and then you have to cut her off and then she throws up in the bathroom and then her friends carry her home and you're like I hate you I hate you as a human being I hate the fact that guaranteed this isn't the first time you've done it this week and I have a hard time celebrating that mm. person and I just almost knocked my mic over um and that's, you know, from a bartender's perspective, you can see that girl coming and you think, oh, this, this is going to be all night. She's going to try and flirt and beg for a free shot and it's going to be a, like a kamikaze or an apple martini and she's going to spill it down herself and her poor friend is just going to roll her eyes. It's just, it's just going to be a shit show. Am I, am I allowed to swear on your <laughs> yeah, Of course okay. you are. Absolutely. Just, I, I don't, I don't know who the audience is. Who knows? Is. Sorry, Mom. Um, I just feel like it doesn't seem joyful to me. Mm. That girl, mm. that girl is so clearly not making good choices with her life over and over and over again that I have a hard time reconciling it for me and how I like to drink. So it, yes, we've all had that sort of experience, but man, that girl's. I don't want to be her friend. <laughs> I hate it when she shows up, and also she's usually a shitty tipper. Because she thinks she can show some boob and that'll be fine. Nah, dude, I don't want to see your boobs. I want to see your dollars. I think Jennifer got her phone number on. Uh, yeah, the, the other. That, was, that was another person I met. Not hard. Not hard as it turns out. That girl's giving out her phone number. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because I think what I like about this song is that it sounds like a celebration. Uh, musically, it's a celebration, but then lyrically, it is really talking about you know it, it's trying to show both sides, or in my opinion, it is showing both. Sides I don't want to clean up her vomit. I was going to say <laughs> I don't think that any of the songs that I considered for you know this particular round, any songs about alcohol are are positive. Like I mean, they might be fun, but they're all forms of escapism. They're yeah. all forms of denial. They're all forms of you know self medication. Like it's 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 never. It's never a positive thing. Well, not so certainly never, never a positive. I would say what's interesting is when we were going through, because I really did want to find a positive song about drinking, and they were all dumb. It, like it was all shot, these like red. Shot, 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 yes, exactly. Or like or, red, red solo, solo cup. Uh, it's exactly just like stupid. Like, yeah, they're all like novelty the songs about drinking. Beer for my, for my horses Beer for, and cowboys yeah. for my, or whiskey for my whiskey, friends. Exactly. Like it's, it's all like goofy novelty songs. Like yeah. the real songs about drinking were all about kind of uh, the darker side of drinking. Uh, as I said, the ones that I was actually considering. Yeah. They never like those those other ones. Yes, they're out there. Yeah, and they're fun drinking songs, but they're not necessarily about drinking. So that's like a yeah. whole other. The closest yeah. I was able to find is like a, a, a happy song about drinking was Frank Turner's Recovery, which wasn't happy, but it sounds super happy. That's why I wanted to pick a real big fish song. They always sound real happy. Yeah. <laughs> they are not happy people. But, I mean, that is kind of an interesting observation. Ed, what do you think about this idea that like, were you able to find a, a happy song about drinking? Uh, or or did you also find that like most of them were a little sad? I didn't do much research. I just kind of picked a song that I was thinking of, but in, to the to your question, I was going through songs, and it was like, and I didn't really want to talk about, like, the irresponsibilities of drinking, which is kind of like the songs that I was, that I was hitting, hitting in my <laughs> like head. Last Friday night. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, like, uh, like, as, as uh, I had a co-worker who was like, 
do do like one of one of those rapper songs like T Pain. Like there's like yeah. even if alcohol is mentioned or like uh, loose on the goose or whatever that song is that's uh, by that what they did on Glee. I remember Cordover Street doing it at one point. Yeah, so um, yeah, I was I I I was struggling finding like a song that like I connected with it, which is probably why. I went the direction I went, which is it's probably won't work in the end. It's a good but, point, uh, actually, though, Ed, that you bring up that like, yeah, when I did find uh, uh, songs that were kind of celebratory of drinking or at least didn't really care as much, they were hip hop songs. Um, that's really not where my personal sensibility is a lot of time. Like the hip hop I listen to isn't that kind of like party hip hop. Well, let's move on. Uh, that was my pick. Sia Chandelier. Uh, we're going to move on to the next pick. I put Jen and Ed into the randomizer and let's see who's go, coming up first oh wait we're gonna randomize it okay it's jen yay okay. <laughs> <Winning>. <laughs> jennifer what is your song for this songs about drinking vita well okay so i did i did give a lot of thought and a lot of the stuff was either it just more obvious kind of ridiculous songs that i didn't connect to or songs that were it, it, it just nothing that I that I felt like I identified with, and um, so I went with Elliot Smith's "Between the Bars," and um, this is a song from uh, like '97. And I got to say, for for several years there, I uh, depended upon Elliot Smith's music to to get me through some tired, really sad times. So. Uh, Better than just turning to alcohol. So, um, but here, Elliot Smith's Between the Bars. Drink up, baby, stay up all night with the things you could do. You won't, but you might. The potential you'll be that you'll never see. The promises you'll only make. Drink up with me now and forget all about the pressure of days. Do what I say and I'll make you okay. And drive them away, the images stuck in your head. People, you've been before that you don't. So again, this is uh, Elliot Smith's Between the Bars. This song, um, actually this CD, this was on uh, his Either Or album, which I think was, I thought it was 97, but you're saying now 96, um, which was his third album, his third solo album. And um, this album actually was what, uh, this got uh, Gus Van Sant's attention and he ended up using three of his songs from it for the Goodwill Hunting soundtrack. And that's actually how I discovered him. And um, Miss Misery was... A very Bostonian of you. Yes, I know. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I could have made it some other story that I was like in some like little independent record store and I discovered it. But no, I totally in a movie. And um, yes, I, I broke the Goodwill Hunting soundtrack, but then ended up buying um, Either Or and having even more Elliot Smith to love. Um, yeah. it, his music is so beautifully sad and 
again, it helped me through some some of my saddest times in a way that, you know, Josh was saying, if I listened to this, it would have made me even more depressed. But it comforted me. It made me feel almost not as broken because somebody was as broken, if not more broken. And um, just the, the whole song, um, you know, there isn't a lot that I could find about, you know, Elliot Smith speaking about his writing. Um, no, he never talked about his writing. He ne never wanted to. He was very troubled. Um, yes, he passed away at a very young age of 34 in, uh, I can't believe it was like 14 years ago. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so the thing that I, uh, the lyrics in this song are just so beautiful. And to me, I've always taken it that alcohol is talking to him. Alcohol is this voice in his head. It's this um, alcohol as a possession over him. And, you know, just from the very start, drink up, baby, stay up all night. I'll kiss you again between the bars, sunlight, step outside. And, you know, a lot of people online were like, oh, yeah, of course, between the bars, he's getting drunk and he goes from bar to bar. And to me, and I like I never thought of a, a drinking establishment when, it, you know, between the bars. To me, it was always the metaphorical prison that alcohol has him trapped in. Wow. And it was just so, so beautifully painful. Um, and then my absolute favorite part of the song is um, the line are the lines. Um, the people that you've been before that you don't want around anymore you push they push and shove but won't bend to your will i'll keep them still so alcohol is just saying don't worry i got this you don't want to be that person you don't have to be that person i got it and it's just so chilling and and i i i, I can listen to this song on repeat for hours yeah, if, if we were doing, if we were basing this competition on which song has been covered more, Between the Bars has really cut through to a lot of people and it's been covered a million times mm -hmm. and, and beautifully. Like, oh, it's yeah. just one of those songs that you almost can't mess up. There there, there are actually times that I actually prefer Mal Madeline Perot's, I'm probably saying her last name wrong. Yeah, it's like Pyru or Pyru. 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 I don't know. Amazing. She's, it's, she's so, it's so beautiful. <laughs> it actually, it kind of, it, it, it sweetens it softens it up a little bit it yeah. doesn't come across as melancholy so there you go there's my um there's my my song about alcohol i it's funny because i actually had a slightly different interpretation of it i like your interpretation of the bars being like jail bars like he's hmm. trapped into this moment to me it was always <clears throat> how they it's this love affair like uh and I'll kiss you beneath the stars between the bars. This mm -hmm. idea of like, we're just going to go, f our life is lived in bars. Like mm -hmm. that we're talking about those five minutes between, you know, the, the, the rest of the day when we're not in a bar is just mm -hmm. kind of a comma in between the time that we are in bars when we're really alive. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really sad song. I, to me, this is the definitive Elliot Smith song. It's kind of sad in that it, you know, for a lot of people, it's the only Elliot Smith song. Um, but it is kind of, to me, this is where he was in his top form uh, in a performance perspective, uh, in a you know, musical and mel melodic perspective. I mm -hmm. mean, here we are all these years later, and Josh Radin still wants to be writing this song yeah. like seven records into his career. He's still <laughs> just trying to write beyond the between the bars. Yeah. I mean, I have. It's a, I I have all of his albums, but either or is, I mean, if, if if you aren't familiar with Elliot Smith, I would start right there. If you need to go a little easier because it is rather melancholy, start with the Goodwill Hunting soundtrack. You're going to get Miss Misery, <laughs> you're going to get Between the Bars, and I forget the other one already. Um, oh, I think it's Petzola. 
And oh, yeah. it that is such a beautiful song too. Or it's a pizzola. <laughs> I said it wrong. But um yeah. Miss Misery is still my favorite Oscars performance cuz he's standing up there and he looks like he's good. like apparently he'd never performed live before or something like this. Terrified. And so he looks like he's going to throw up on stage. Like he can barely play. He, it's amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, it, it was painful to watch. Yes. <laughs> it was also funny that we listened to the song and then we were all kind of like boisterously talking. And then we listened to this song and you came back and you were like, so that was Elliot Smith. Uh, <laughs> you went into my NPR voice. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's a, I didn't want it to be a jarring transition. It's a very <laughs> meditative song about drinking or, or, or the, the power that the drink has on a person. Noodle thoughts on between the bars. I mean, it's, it, it's the most beautiful song. It is haunting and it is gorgeous. And uh, my interpretation was a little bit more direct mm -hmm. that it's actually him talking to a girl who he is dragging down into his alcoholism mm -hmm. mm. and literally drowning along with himself, uh, which I have a real hard time listening to. I mm -hmm. just keep shouting, he's abusive, run! Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, because, you know, you know all of the things about Elliot Smith and how desperately sad and unhappy mm -hmm. and then, like, demonstrably uh, yeah. destructive he was. And there is no joy to the song is what my problem is because there's, there's even – you don't feel like he's drinking to cheer himself up. You don't think he's drinking to, like, help the day. Like, it's just a straight coping mechanism at that point. And that's also real, real depressing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's so many different aspects of getting drunk – that I, I have a I have a hard time with the just sadness around it. But that being said, I mean, the most beautiful song and heartbreaking. And I'm pretty sure I cried a little just listening to it now. Yeah. yeah. But again, somebody I hate at the bar. Because that guy shows up and you're like, oh, you're going to put your head down on the bar. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to have to politely call you a car. And you're going to be upset. And you're going to open your wallet to try and give me money. So I'll let you stay. And I'm going to be like, dude, I'm so sorry. You need to go home. And then you're going to lay down on the gutter outside. And I also... I think that's so sad, and and I picture him dragging this like used to be cheerful little girl, very um, Bukowski ish, mm. where these women just show up and get ravaged by him and his lifestyle, wow. and it just cycles down into this into this terrible terrible pit where they leave him eventually, and then he's sad again. Um, I do think it's beautiful that we managed to get Bukowski into our songs about drinking uh, music show. That I, made me super happy. I can't believe it took me this long to say <laughs> yes, exactly. to be honest. That was, that was impressive. God, we got that in. And, you know, I'm, I'm shocked that you said that it was, what, what year did we say this was? Like, it's 96. Yeah. That seems very late. I think of Elliot Smith as being fairly eternal mm -hmm. because the music is so, it could have been written in 1964. It could have been written in, well, probably yeah. not in the 80s because of all the cocaine. But, like, any of those different time frames right. that universal appeal of it is definitely it comes through and everybody has felt that way he just felt it a little harder than everyone else yeah, yeah. there's a there's a certain eternalness to like if we ever did like uh, a, a song a song for when you're depressed show you know mm -hmm. there's a certain eternal tone to that oh yeah oh, <laughs> which yeah. is like this nick drake right like tom waits, tom waits. Uh -huh. you can always listen to like certain people like neutral Morrissey. milk hotel will all it just Morrissey, kind of lives i i it's made myself applicable. a mixtape for when i was depressed when elliot smith just wasn't enough you yeah. know the uh, first port portishead record like. a, a long time ago mike and i used to belong to a club and it was just the two of us and we called ourselves the sad sack club <laughs> and sure did and we used to make mixtapes. Shockingly, you thank you for them. not enlisting right. members. Cause. Right? No, 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 no. Well, we we were we were pretty depressed at the time. 
uh, we we would make ourselves mixtapes mm. of the sad songs to listen to. Oh yeah, and it was, I mean, it was real depressing. And then you know we started dating. And we're like, oh wait a minute, we're happy. And then we were the happy. Sack. Happy sex? Uh-huh. There's a lot more in the sack there. What? Hey, Making it naughty. Ed, Between the Bars by Elliot Smith. Um, what do you think of this song? Um, I Today was the first time I've really... I'm sure I've heard the song in the history of my life. Yeah, but, for sure. But I, I never really heard it. And then it, I, I really dig the vibe. I was like, oh, this is... This is this is like good music for like this for for this time, and I saw that either or, I was like, why do I know Elliot Smith? Oh, because NPR was talking about how they just uh, that the twentieth anniversary of either or just came out last month, mm. and so there's like oh wow gazillion, yeah that makes there's, yeah there's like a gazillion bonus tracks on that so. I think that's Spotify exclusive. He's so he's like, one of those people that's worth looking hold, up. Hold I on, mean, hold. such a fascinating person. They released a Spotify exclusive of Elliot Smith songs of of the uh, of the re-release, the 20th anniversary re-release. That would kill wow. him all over again. Let's turn it over to Ed now. That is Jennifer's pick uh, for songs about drinking. Elliot Smith's Between the Bars. Uh, let's turn it up a little bit more joyful and go over to Ed now. Ed, tell us what is your pick for this beatdown, Songs About Drinking? Um, I chose a song. For, I chose uh, Horchata by Vampire Weekend, which is not the most on theme song I could have possibly <laughs> chosen. Josh did accuse me that it was a non-alcoholic beverage, and then I immediately fired back to him a rum horchata recipe. Well, you can put alcohol in anything. That is true. <laughs> that is true. But Trust I, me. It's not intrinsically you alcohol. We found out. met my parents. Yeah. You can put alcohol in anything. That is true. But I was... Uh, the reason I picked it is because it's like, to me, Vampire Weekend is like, along with maybe like Small Pools and Colony House and a bunch of other bands, they're like a gateway for me into seeing what it'd be like to be an economically advantaged uh, <laughs> East East Coast person that, that, that like that summers in Martha's Vineyard and drinks champagne on yachts. So like that's like so that's like the appeal of Vampire Weekend for me. That's also like the appeal of Flowrida. Yeah, I was gonna say, and if you do want to do that, you just call it the Vineyard. Everybody knows. Everybody <laughs> in the know will know. I'm sure everybody wants to live that life. In the know, I am in. <laughs> I love it. Let's take a listen. We'll to put you on a list. <laughs> in December, drinking horchata, I'd look sarcastic in a balaclava. Winter's cold.
So yeah, I just really love the African beats, the like indie electronicness, and ultimately, I'm just like thirsty for a new Vampire Weekend record. So this was like a pseudo platform for that. Uh, and I yeah, I just I just I'm into the vibe of the song, and I, I as I said, I imagine myself like having just graduated Yale or something, drinking champagne with my with like in my polo shirt. There you go. I'm like describing something right now. <laughs> Pop so, color. Aspirations. Yeah. Yes. Pa- so I, much I, I, I don't know if it's aspiration, but it's like so it's many deck insight. shoes. It's, I, it's not even something I want, but it's like it's an insight Jockey into scarves. that world that, <laughs> that I can experience through the Contra record. And you have a pastel Oxford over it with the pop collar inside. Yes. And you're I mean, a complete douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, w- I want to know what it's like to be the douchebag, but I don't actually want to go through all the effort and, like, put people down all the time. But, like, yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, there's, like, I, I, I'm, like, becoming more aware that I use, that I'm using songs as gateways into people, psyche, so... There you go. You mean uh, you mean gateways into the psyches of like the performers? Into the writers, yeah. Because it's oh. like from their perspective. And like you're like, oh, like 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 the thing like the things they're choosing to describe, like they're like this has like mysticisms that is like that's common for Ezra about different literature things mm-hmm. I, and various Eastern European references, I feel. So like, why is he choosing to make those references over other references? Is a part of it's a part of the Ezra Koenig experience. Oh, I get that. Yeah, like on the first record, they had a fucking song called Oxford Comma, um, which I would like to talk about. <laughs> you want to talk about the Oxford Comma, the, the song or the Oxford Comma? Uh, I give a fuck about an Oxford Comma, real hard. <laughs> real the punctuation hard. mark, not the song. No, the punctuation mark, yes, and course. as a result, the song. Yeah, because the song opens with "Who gives a fuck about an Oxford Comma?" Everybody should. <laughs> It's important. Now, Ed, what's interesting is my complaint about Vampire Weekend, I really liked that first record. I thought it was kind of this mix of like Caribbean influences and uh, uh, some cool kind of, it had kind of a punk edge, like like kind of an early um, uh, 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 Talking Heads edge. But by the time they got to the second album, I was just like, it's a bunch of Yale grads on vacation. Like it's a whole bunch of guys from Columbia University that, found a kettle drum on the side of the road and we're like, let's make it happen. Too many deck shoes involved. And, but that sounds to me like that's actually the appeal to you is you like this kind of, this experience that, that to you is quite foreign and you like living out that experience. Yeah. Like, like you, you are saying, so we, we are agreeing that this is what is happening. And I, and I, and I was, and I found it intriguing. I'm like, Oh, this is insight into a world that I, will never experience like uh indiana's quite landlocked so <laughs> like. so the caribbean the caribbean vibe kind of is exotic you like yeah, like, like and yeah the caribbean the african the nicaraguan like it's not like it's something that i don't know none of the things i touch that's why i think it's partially why uh i believe that the midwest is like the the hair bringer of like media consumption like I feel like more people were watching the OC in in my small town in Indiana than the entirety of of California. <laughs> like like, <laughs> like it's there's an exoticism to it. That's so interesting, yeah. Because to me, I feel like this the, the struggle I have with li- the the last two Vampire Weekend records is that oh they God, do you, both you have feel very bad foreign. to say about va- modern vampires of the city. You I have do not I... yet said them. 
I thought we were constraining our conversation to the first two. I just, I just find them both so false. Like to me, it feels like pretend. Uh, the but first you album like that felt authentic, and then after that, they were exactly. just recreating the sound because it was really successful. But they yeah. really went into it to such a point that every time I hear a song, like like this one, it's I know I've heard it before, but when Josh played it again for me the other night, I was thinking, why do I all of a sudden want to be on a carnival cruise and drink a pina colada that you know. Isaac made like it just I, it felt like it was part of a tourism campaign like I it do was like very that, manufactured I like that that fantasy had a bartender named Isaac though from That's the love boat oh I know I I cross, I cross cruise line sorry princess sorry. no it's okay it's okay I didn't I didn't get the reference bad branding that was beautiful that was beautiful uh so Ed you really like the third vampire weekend record uh, I wasn't your bartender Diane Young is fantastic yeah. unbelievers <laughs> yeah hey obvious believers uh, obvious bicycles Sorry. Uh, yeah, those, like I, I love modern vampires of the city. I'm fascinated by your NPR face. You're going through a real pitchfork face right now. How do you? I, I don't think I'm going through an NPR phase. I just this. These are all things I have liked for a long time. Oh, all right. NPR is just catching up with you now. No, no, no. That's not, <laughs> that's not true either. I don't. I like. I was like. I was super into. As 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 Josh knows, I was super into Bjork like three months ago, and then like two weeks ago, I was like kind of thinking like oh i should like listen to sugar ray greatest hits no and you should never listen to that Ed. Sugar well, ray I already, what were you I thinking I already, I already did it and then i was like into a k-pop moment for like a second wow. j-pop so <laughs> I, I, I think i think i'm like in search of musical identity maybe or maybe my musical identity is not to have one well i mean there's you don't you'll find what things you gravitate back to. Um, but no, I mean, you should never tie yourself down. Like you, there's nothing more boring than somebody that's just like, you know, uh, all I, all I need in life is four Bon Jovi records. I mean, <laughs> he you, looks at me cause he knows I know that person. <laughs> yeah. It, it's great to always be exploring and always mm -hmm. be looking for the thing that gives you a thrill musically. Like that's mm -hmm. music is, is our, is our drug. It's a benign drug, uh, for the most part. Uh, unless you get into those weird Jandek records, but for the most part, it's a perfectly healthy way to, to be excited. And no, I, no, think it's I, I was being silly about like, I don't need a musical identity. I think, I think, as I said, I think my musical identity is just like, is a, is like legitimately, <laughs> I like a good melody as, as stated. There and I, I'm a, such a sucker for a good synth line. Yes. Like that, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Never a problem. Well, let's, that is Ed's pick this week, which is Orchata by Vampire Week. And let's move on to the guest uh, who gets the benefit of going last. Uh, Vanessa Noodle, please tell us what is your song for this Songs About Drinking Beatdown? Well, uh, I went through a couple of different songs and actually submitted the wrong song um, because I'm new to this. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I approached it, I thought about. Not just the act of drinking, look at me, I'm sitting here having a beer, but also the experience and, and what it means to to be a drinker and what it means to have become a drinker and what it means to learn about drinking. And I thought about what did I listen to and what was I doing when I first became a drinker, you know, because let's be honest, if we're doing this, we're probably drinkers. Um, and I went with an early song in my evolution as a human being. And in my evolution of what music I develop and what I begin to listen to later. And so I went with 40 Ounces of Freedom by Sublime for, for a couple of different reasons. But my, my feeling on it is 
The song itself has a lot of different layers. I mean, he's he's so sad. I mean, <laughs> poor Bradley, man. Way to way to die right before you get super famous. Yeah, that's that's depressing. Uh, this this album released in '92, and then it was re-released later after after the Sublime Sublime album came out because they were like, oh, we have this other album that still has the same guy who's now dead, and it was a huge phenomenal hit because everybody had that jam van that jam band but not just a jam band that ska but not just ska that punk rock but not just punk rock eclecticism to it that became a soundtrack for that real specific moment in your life it is every high school party i've ever been to every time i'm fortunate on the hot summer nights and there's just got to be some music in the in the background it's every single college frat party i've ever been to it's red cup in your hand it is a 40 ounce of malt liquor. Let's be honest, we all went through a malt liquor phase. Mm. It's not nice. It wasn't fun. <laughs> it's affordable. It, it was affordable because you don't have any money when you're in college. Mm-hmm. Mine was called Hooch. Ooh. It was, it was we had mad dogs. Disgusting. We, we drank yep. Old E. Unapologetically. Oh, Old English. Unapologetically. I, uh, I grew up in this real small, Red Wolf, tight knit little Cobra. music mm. community. And, uh, and none of them liked Sublime. So they had they had real good taste in music and I was just kind of like <laughs> dipping my toe in it. Got your hair permed, you got your red dress on screaming that second gear was such a turn on And the fog forming on my window tells me that the morning's here and you'll be gone before too long Who taught you those new tricks? Damn, I shouldn't start that talk But life is one big question when you're staring at the clock And the answer's always waiting at the liquor store Forty ounces to freedom, so I take that walk And I know that part of the evolution of myself as a music listener and as a drinker because it was always on this song was always on this is a song that was background music if you don't mm-hmm. you know if, if you don't feel like paying super close attention to it and you're having the conversation and you're figuring out who you are as an adult and i'm putting adult in quotations because obviously at 17 i'm not an adult i don't know what i'm doing but i am <laughs> learning about how to how to drink I am learning about that, you know, how to how to work a keg. I'm learning how to how to not get so drunk that you just that you find yourself in an alleyway and you're like, oh fuck, I'm gonna throw up, and I don't know how I'm gonna get home, and I've lost my car. <laughs> and you have those experiences, and guaranteed, this song is playing in the background every time you have this experience. I have heard this song at every terrible party I was at in high school, every terrible frat party in the basement I was at in college on repeat and this is a song that everybody's like oh yeah i love that song because you do love that song it's pretty universal and you can play beer pong to it or you could just sit and talk Mm -hmm. to your friend with it or you can shout real loud about it it really covers the spectrum of i'm having a good time i'm just hanging out with my friends or i am so drunk that i'm gonna die like it 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 applies (laughs) in all of those different situations and the song itself is about 
him trying to learn how to interact with other people as a drunk. You know, his his girlfriend or his booty call or whoever it is has clearly been sleeping with somebody else. And he's like, I'm too drunk to have the conversation about it. And do I really want to know? <laughs> and you think, oh, no wonder you're going to the liquor store, guy. Like, maybe if you're going to make the walk, can you, can you get an extra bottle for me? And we've all said that to the guy who's just sober enough to still go to the bar or go to the store. You're like, hey, can I give you some money and you can pick up another... 40 for me because they're like three bucks and and I, so you identify it you identify with that guy at the level of drunk he is because you know him you've been him and it taught you a lot about how to function as like a high level functioning alcoholic where you go to parties <laughs> and you hang out but it hasn't really consumed your whole life yet so I think it's a lot about growth and and um and how you identify yourself in those different moments because we've all heard this song when we're out We've all rocked out to it. And you think, yeah, you know, I'm going to have this one more drink and I'm going to feel okay about it at the end. Turns out if it's one more 40, you're not going to feel awesome about it. But, like, it's it's still okay. And it, for me, this album was such a stairway to the next. Yes, Sublime Sublime is a great album, but that's not really what it was about. For me, it, it, changed, it segued into the punk rock universe, into ska into even some reggae. I mean, mm-hmm. Bob Marley, sure. Close enough. And all of his influences and what, what they, the band, was doing was making so much of this accessible to white kids all across the country who've never heard anything like it at all. There's this one line where he's, and it's actually not in 40 Ounces Freedom, it's somewhere else on the album where he goes, punk rock saved my life. And I was always like, yes! Oh my God, me too! <laughs> and it really, I mean, everybody had a Sublime poster. It was just so universally... <laughs> appealing and understood and this song i think just you've all been that guy let's take a listen to 40 ounces of freedom there you go so yeah sublime uh they're from long beach uh they lived in oxnard fun fact uh i was born in long beach and grew up in oxnard uh or ventura right next door uh and so sublime was just a part of our lives uh we uh i never saw them personally but i had lots of friends who used to see them at the park uh and stuff like that and bradley was around back then uh bradley who was the lead singer lead guitarist of sublime who died of a heroin overdose uh immediately after getting clean got out of rehab came back did one more hit for old time's sake and died uh and then his band exploded five minutes later so it's a pretty sad story but he was this band and and listening back to this record i had a hard time with it at the time because this was not the music i was i was into and really not the aesthetic that i was into um but listening back to it now he really was a phenomenal front man and a killer guitarist um, and just a, an all-around kind of fascinating figure in this musical moment. For essentially what seems like a super broy guy. Yeah. Like, he was awesome. He spoke more than one language. He played a bunch of the instruments. And his lyrics, I think, are very witty and clever and biting. Mm-hmm. And also, like, surprisingly woke for the time, mm-hmm. uh, in retrospect. Uh, I, but I guess what I'm saying is, like, I grew up in Southern California where this was the sound of my life. You know, Sublime wasn't so much a surprise to us in, in Southern California as much as it was a culmination of all the different musical things that were going on at that moment. You're from New York. Was this, like, another world to you? Like, how did you even relate to this? You mean in suburbia? Westchester <laughs> County, New York? Nah, dude, we were all like this. Yeah, it, it really came out of nowhere. And sadly, the song that really kicked them off was Radio Play Around Santeria, which I think is yeah. a terrible song. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
For but, us, it was date rape. But date right. rape was a song that was well, in date rape was on MTV all the time, yeah. and I remember yeah. being like, "What is the deal with these clowns?" And they played them in every yeah. bar back east. Horrifying. Every but bar. Once you got into it, and especially once they re-released Forty Ounces, it was it was every, like you everybody owned it and everybody played it and everybody felt good listening to it. You're like, ah, oh, this is this is relaxing and fun and chill, but means something at the same time. And then I remember. When, when the, you know, it had just gotten famous and they started announcing, you know, oh, and by the way, Bradley died. Like, it was, it was real horrifying to me. I was, I was shocked by it. And mm. it's, I can't remember what the time frame was it around when Kurt Cobain died. But for me, it was that similar feeling because I was never really a big Nirvana fan, which is neither here nor there. It's like 94, I yeah, think he passed like, away. It, for mm. me, it hit me at that level because I had so identified it with, because one of the other things that I really loved about Sublime is how they covered a whole bunch of bands that I really deeply care about. Like, yeah. Hope by the Descendants. The Descendants are my favorite band on the planet. And I remember listening to it and being like, oh my God, that's a Descendants song. And it really <laughs> changed the whole identity of the band because they just seemed to have a lot of influences behind them that you didn't expect to see so obvious. They were um, one of those bands that like to celebrate their influences, yes. which was kind of in the punk rock tradition. That's a very mm-hmm. punk rock thing to do is to really the like homage. unabashedly celebrate the people that that. And, made you who you are. And it also spoke a lot to the family and the community and the fandom rather than we're in the band and we're way too cool for you. It was totally like, yeah, I'm going to hang out and have a beer after the show. Like, what are you doing? You want to, yeah. you can buy me a beer. It's cool. Yeah. I'll I'm just here. like you. I listened to the descendants yeah. when I was a kid too. Like yeah. there's that very kind of bringing down walls. And it, it, it was an opening and accessibility that you didn't necessarily have with a lot of other bands because of the way they were presenting themselves and and you know the the songs where they really call out hey here's a here's a literally I'm going to list all the things that I love right now <laughs> you want to get in on it and everybody was like holy shit I love those things too and you felt a sense of family and community around it that I don't think really existed before with the exception of because we had talked about this earlier the kind of hip hop universe because everybody's like oh I know that guy I saw that guy at some terrible shitty club and I have his like handwritten mixtape that he handed out on the corner like <laughs> I mean not so much in Westchester County but in New York <laughs> State yeah. Ed uh, what's your relationship relationship to Sublime you must have heard some of these songs I mean I know Santeria of course <laughs> I mean that's like that's like a, a staple on reality shows for covering um and outside of that, not much. But I was digging the the reggae vibes. I, I was appreciating it. Yeah, they had a really... Bradley was the first person to realize that you could combine reggae, ska, punk, and then bring in hip-hop. And I think it was the addition of hip-hop, which later other bands like Sugar Ray and Citizen Cope and things were really trying to do. But he found the right spot. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, because, uh, uh, because they were effectively just a Southern California punk band in their souls, they were able to just kind of unabashedly bring all these things And together. I think also a little bit of what became reggaeton later yeah and also like it was there because it was upbeat and it was fun and they were having a good time yeah it was it was a party that had that had a soul to it it wasn't just mindless nonsense we had to suffer through a lot of stuff after sublime though we had to suffer through the voodoo glow skulls mm. we had to suffer through <laughs> um, you guys were in a much different a place of... musically than i was yeah. <laughs> that is noodles pick this week for go. songs about drinking 40 ounces to freedom by sublime 
at this point, we're going to go around the circle and everybody's going to get one last chance to say why their song is the best. And uh, all of the other songs are so bad, they should not be allowed around the jukebox. I'm going to go first because I went first and my pick this week was Sia's Chandelier. Uh, for songs about drinking, I just think it's it's fantastic. I love a song about drinking that you think is real upbeat until you really get into it and you realize that it is as complicated as your relationship with alcohol. Um, that's my favorite thing about a song about drinking. You can get real upfront with like the bare naked bare naked ladies alcohol, which kind of says it right off the top. You can do a little Margaritaville over on the side, but I think that Sia's Chandelier is just an absolutely phenomenal song. That vocal is unbeatable and. Uh, you can't top it. So uh, that is my pick. Uh, because it's my job, I will say it's certainly more fun than behind, Between the Bars. Um, it is uh, certainly more raw than uh, Orchata. And uh, I don't know. Uh, Sublime's good, too. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not allowed to malign Sublime. I'm from... <laughs> I'm from Ventura. Uh, wow. But yes, that is my pick for Sia's Chandelier. Ed, I, or Jen. No, oh, Jen's up yeah. next. Uh, would you like to make one final case for Between the Bars by Elias Smith? As far as the theme goes, I think that this is the most direct and, um, yes, sad. Yes, a little melancholy, the song. But I think it's I think it's the most direct and most on point with the, the theme of this episode. Um his his lyrics are so so moving and 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 painful and i just it, it's just such a beautiful piece of art that uh speaks to the subject in a way that uh at the same time comforts and makes me feel better <laughs> about certain things but um so yeah i that that is why i i love this pick i think it's just a, such a perfect song all right turning it over to ed ed we want to make one final case for oh wait i think jen wanted to say why oh did you why she didn't like the other songs oh she never usually usually doesn't i well you told me i have to oh well get on it let's go (laughs) awkward (laughs) no no that's okay i mean not that i have like a ton of bad things to say but show us your negativity jen oh this is this is actually pretty painful for me um actually i can't wait okay i'm gonna go backwards i'm gonna do you first oh my (laughs) no i mean okay it's it's a very fun song and i get i understand now why you chose it because i I didn't know your relationship with it and your experiences with it and how it was kind of your soundtrack and to your experiences um so so i get that but um yeah i mean it's it's a it's it's a good song it's very fun i like their sound um i think that thematically uh yeah the, the guy is depressed and he has a shitty girlfriend and he's going for another 40 so there you go uh ed it's it's not my favorite vampire weekend song um it's, i actually kind of forget that it was on that album um but that said it's it's pleasant Oh my and... God, you're so nice. It's Wait, gross. Has she said anything? She hasn't. She's like, like I'm she's like, it's okay. not my favorite, Maybe but it's still really favorite. good. She's just going to shit all over Sia. Like, I'm waiting <laughs> no, for it. No. Let's do it. I can't. I can't. But no, I mean, I'm the, the, the worst thing I can say about Ochata is that it just, to me, it feels like a cruise line commercial. And, um, and Sia is fantastic. Now I've got that, like, I've, I met that angry, that, uh, 
that that sad, needy, drunk girl in the Nobody bar. Nobody likes that girl. I, I, I met I met two of them the other night. You, you were did, never that girl. Really and I have funny. both of their phone numbers. Was, oh, for Peach. She's sake. been that girl. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but no, she is fantastic. So there you go. That's that's it. That um, was the meanest Jennifer's ever uh, been. Guys. That is not true. <laughs> she I tried can, so hard. I can be mean, just not to my friends. <laughs> Ed, uh, let's make one final case for Orchata by Vampire Weekend. I, I choose to frame this conversation in the only way that I might have a chance of winning, <laughs> and that is this is pretend this is a BuzzFeed quiz, okay? And then then it's like there's the question is where would you rather be drinking? And then there's four images. And then for for Josh's pick, it's like some snazzy uh, hotel that could easily be in downtown Berlin or downtown Seoul. Like Sounds you, awesome. And the, or and then if you're going to Jen, you're in like some like some uh, low key dive bar in New York City where there's a spoken word poetry in the corner. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I'm going right now. And then if you're going, you're, like if you're picking words, mine, you're on, you're on a yacht and you're looking out at a lighthouse. And then if you're picking noodles, you, uh, you're in Southern California, the sun is setting and yeah, and that is it. So on that the is, I feel like house. that is, this is, this is how insufficient of a choice this is. The only way I could frame it where I even have a chance is if I, I try to frame it as an equal. <laughs> so, so there you go. It's so it's equal. So Ed's argument is if you prefer the yacht to the porch in Southern California, uh, which is funny because I once heard of the, the best mm. band I ever heard that live that sounded just like Sublime was called The Return. And I listened to them on a porch in Southern Santa Barbara. In, it's not in a bad place Isla to Vista. be. Isla Vista. Yes, I remember. You told me about that little... <laughs> it was like, so fun. It was like that, that street that had two houses and you were either partying at one house or the other. Yeah, and they played on a porch at a frat house in Isla Vista. Uh, the Return was a great band. I don't know what ever happened to those guys. Uh, last but not least, let's turn it over to Noodle to make one final case for 40 ounces to freedom one of my favorite names by the way i know I, there's something about that name it's not an alliteration or a rhyme and yet it feels like it is you want to drink that malt liquor and then feel freed from all the shitty things that have happened to you or are actually happening in the moment you're gonna drink the 40 <laughs> and it's gonna be fine um i think the beauty of this song is not just that the song itself is about somebody's drinking experience but that you have absolutely experienced this song while you are drinking at any stage in your life, at any party you've been to, this has played at least once, maybe more. <laughs> um, it is universally, as a band, beloved. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. Like You're like, oh, yeah, I could rock out to this. Oh, that's real sad. I'm going to have another beer. But, yeah, no, I totally feel what that guy is talking about. Uh, and then can you know still have a conversation or just get blackout drunk. And it's, it's about the same experience. Um, so I think, I think 40 Answers to Freedom really shows what kind of drinker you are um and going in the other direction i'm going to start with ed and work my way back i i agree with josh's earlier assessment that i think this particular vampire weekend song sounds very superficial um and frankly i think horchata tastes like just absolute death <laughs> uh, it's thick it's weird i'm like i never had it uh i i, it's I don't rice feel like you're missing anything yeah it's cinnamon it's, and sugar it's a lot of weird things. So I <laughs> right. I think it's too specific of a taste. Mm. I think 
that it do- it is not as universally appealing and as mm. a universal experience. You, you should you should rebrand all of us as different beverages as you describe us. <laughs> I, think, I, I think that's fair. Um, so for for me, horchata is too specific, uh, and I I am never in the mood for horchata. I got to tell you. Um, and while I've, I, ne- I've yet to find good horchata in San Francisco, I found better in Indiana. Wow. Weird. That, that's San weird. San Francisco has a serious come to problem. Los Angeles. Right? That's odd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, for Between the Bars, the the just depressing factor makes me want to die a little bit every time I listen to this song. Um, I, I don't think he's joyful at all anywhere, and I don't think that all of drinking is real depressing. I think that there's times where you drink because you're depressed, but there's also times where you drink to celebrate, and I don't I don't see that in Between the Bars anywhere. He's he's not celebrating. He's just slogging. Um, and Chandelier, I have a really hard time saying anything negative about it because it's such a beautiful song, but also, like, I hate that girl so much. I, I hate that girl, and, and I... I know that she is going to be a problem and she's going to be a problem real quick. And I don't want her to be my problem. You know her timeline. And I also don't think that she's having a good time either. I think that she's so frantically covering it up that she's never just like casually having a beer. Like, what's up? I'm, I'm chilling here with my friends and having a drink. It's I want all the drinks. So I, I think it's too extremist. All right. Well, that's our picks uh, for songs about drinking. And now, dear listener, it is time for you to vote for which of our songs is the best song about drinking that you heard this week. You can vote on Twitter by tweeting us at BeatdownPod. You can email us at BeatdownPodcast at gmail.com. Or you can tell us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BeatdownPodcast and let us know what you uh think is the best song about drinking do you want to drink in a dive bar in los angeles do you want to drink in a hotel bar in new york do you want to drink on a yacht or do you want to drink uh in a fraternity house's basement and it goes without saying (laughs) i'm sure you want to tell us uh the many songs that we forgot to mention we'll be back next week when our theme will be girl groups i'm super excited about that i already know which song i'm gonna do uh spice girls Maybe. Okay. Know, is it, do you want to be something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't we all? Noodle, people want to follow you on the social medias. Uh, where should they go? Nessie Noodle 13 on Twitter. That's probably the best place to hear all of my political opinions. There's a lot of them. They're mostly in caps. <laughs> that is true. I, I do love that. But but I will also talk about this podcast. There's a lot of hashtag leadership. Uh, For real. And Jennifer, if people want to find you on the social medias, where should they go? On Instagram and Twitter at Jenny B. Creative. That's Jenny with an I. Jenny and B the letter B. Ed, where should people find you online? You should actively avoid me for the next 77 days as Big Brother Canada 5 is about to begin. <laughs> I'm sorry, Big Brother Canada? Oh, and, oh, and watches all it. the Big you Brothers. You know what? Good for you, Ed. All, you gotta have a thing, brothers. right? And, and that's your thing. I like it. I'm, I'm telling you, avoid me. No, yes. no, like, you have it. been warned. The host tweets at me sometimes. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Oh, so that's amazing. Thing. I love it. And she's Canadian, so she's real polite. Uh, apologizes in advance. She's a real uh, nice. Stop tweeting me, eh? <laughs> no, no, no. We were we were consu- we were discussing American politics. As, okay. as, oh my! As, as I do with all my Canadian friends, frankly. <laughs> well then, Ed, you should be following me. I have a lot of opinions. I already oh, follow you. Oh, just kidding! Yay! I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and all the things as Josh Burnell, B-U-R-N-E-L-L. I mentioned it last week. I'm going to mention it again until it sells the heck out. Uh, I have a movie. Uh, it's yeah, premiering at the North Hollywood Cinefest. Woo! 
NoHoCinefest.com. You can buy tickets there. If you live in Los Angeles, if you don't live in Los Angeles, there are planes. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, if you do that, actually, let me know because I'll just get you a ticket if oh, you're a player. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely you. be there, maybe wearing a Splime shirt. What up? There you go. That'll be great. Uh, yes, I, that sounds hilarious. My family's actually. flying in. Oh. Yes, it's going to be a party. Uh, but yeah, check it out. Uh, that's uh, NoHoCinefest.com. My movie's called House for the Lake. Uh, and uh, yes, that's it for us. We'll be back next week for another beatdown. Until then, good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for having us. Yes. <laughs> Bye. Cheers. Bye, Ed. Beatdown is a production of us and is recorded in the office attached to our garage. Our theme song is Optimism by the Numbers by Brian Lerner and used with his permission. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. It helps others find the show. The music clips we discuss in this podcast are used in compliance with the U.S. Copyright Act, fair use exemption for criticism and comment. If you want to listen to the songs we talked about this week in their entirety, visit us on Twitter at BeatdownPod, online at BeatdownPodcast.com, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BeatdownPodcast.